Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Coach the Coach Radio. Brought to you by the Business Radio X Ambassador Program. The no-cost business development strategy for coaches who want to spend more time serving local business clients and less time selling them. Go to brxambassador.com to learn more. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Coach the Coach Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us Peter McNally with Global Executive Group. Welcome, Peter. Thank you. Glad to be with you, Lee. Before we get too far into things, tell us a little bit about Global Executive Group. How are you serving folks? Sure. Uh, so we're based in Atlanta. We work uh, with companies of all sizes and, frankly, across the globe. And what we do is we bring uh, uh, expert operators to together to help clients solve challenges where they're either stuck or they need to move faster. And uh, I lead our uh, human capital practice uh, at Global Executive Group. Now, can you talk a little bit about your transition from being kind of in the traditional workforce and then moving into coaching? Um, what was kind of the impetus for that uh, transition? Sure. So the first thing I have to say is I practice coaching without a license, right? So I don't have any certifications, uh, you know, and there's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Uh, just that's not who I am and what I'm about. I spent 25 years, if you will, as an operator, marketing, sales, general management roles, including the CEO of a startup. And I've been doing consulting work since 2004. And um, what happened in 2007, 2008, I connected with uh, an old professor of mine from Babson College, Dr. Joe Weintraub, who had built a leadership and coaching practice. And I was very keenly interested in working with organizations in the human capital and organization development area. And I felt like the coaching area was just crucial. And so that's how I got, uh, I sort of transitioned into that, into that area. So now how do you see kind of coaching um, kind of being implemented in, in the business world today, whereas at one time it was kind of exclusive for maybe only the highest level executives or high performers. And now it seems to be kind of uh, being distributed throughout the workforce. Uh, are you seeing that as well? Yeah. So the, what I would say is the specific area that I work in and, and we work at GXG and coaching is really around helping um, executives develop the coaching skills, their own coaching skills and those in the organization, right? So um, we don't do a lot of, if you will, sort of one-on-one coaching, right? You know, I've done some of that, but the real focus and emphasis for us is to develop the coaching skills within the organization. And then, so you're kind of uh, teaching them how to yeah. leverage some of the skills of a coach. Yeah, exactly. So we, we call it developmental coaching. And, and so let me sort of, so let's just, we think about business for a second. And this is the first question is, okay, well, why, why human capital, right? Why, why does that matter? So my, over my operating career, I, I developed a framework where I think about three things that you got to get right in your business. You want to have a high performing business. The first is people which means you got to have the right the people with the right skills. They need to have the right tools and a supporting culture to get the people piece broadly right. Then the second is, okay, what are these people here for? To do two things. One is to deliver for customers. And the third is to run the business well, to deliver the results. So you've got people and then you've got customers and you've got results. 
And what I've come to believe is that if you don't get the people piece right, you have no chance of getting the customer piece right, and you're also not going to run the numbers. So you got, you got a problem, right? If you don't get the people piece right. So that's why that matters. And, you know, so if we then settle on the people area, that pillar, then we think about, okay, how do we accelerate the development of our people? And our answer, our view on that is you've got to develop the coaching skills in the organization. Again, what we call developmental coaching. So now how do you kind of decide what's a better fit for the client to kind of work with them as a coach or to uh, maybe help them with some consulting? So it really depends on uh it's the client really deciding what they need and working with them to understand where they are, what their priorities are. Right. Uh, and you know, if there's um, you know, we have some organizations where, you know, usually it's at, at either at a functional level, like I was working with T-Mobile and you know, the CMO has an organization and at the time about 150 people said, you know, I really want to develop the coaching skills of my team. I think that's a real priority. We had done an, an assessment there were a handful of areas that had come out and, and this was one of them. She's like, I really want to go after this. I said, okay, here we go. And that's what we, you know, we took her team uh, to start with the leadership team and then the entire organization through, um, you know, teaching the development of coaching skills. And that's, you know, that's how that, that's how that works. So that, in that case, you you know, you need to have a leader that says really calls the play and says, I, I feel like this is a priority and we, and I think we need this. So. That's when we, when we go, if, if there's, this is not something where, you know, we're going to, um, if organizations are believe and believe in this and believe in the people piece, then, you know, we're, we're excited to work with them in this area. If they're not, then, you know, they're not for us. Now, when you're working with a client, a new client, especially, is there, is the first step kind of some sort of assessment evaluation, a baseline to see where they're at so you can determine um, how you want to go forward and also how you can measure results against that initial benchmark. Yeah. And we always customize it. It's a quick assessment. It's very, and we make it very easy to do and get done. And it's inexpensive uh, because what we want to do is it's, it's a learning, it's a data gathering exercise, right? And we use that data then to help really tailor the approach to the organization. And then, so once you do that, then, then you can begin the coaching. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, and it's, uh, or, or whatever, whatever the priority is going to be. So today we're sort of focused on the coaching piece. You know, we will work with, with organizations in, in a number of different human capital areas to, you know, again, uh, really identify their, the continually building the competence and, cap- and capabilities that are going to be critical to them succeeding going forward. And, you know, today's environment is really challenging uh, just with the, the speed and pace of change has been accelerating over the last 20, 30 years, frankly. And so, you know, one of the questions that when you, when you think about your organization is, are you learning as fast as the world is changing? And our model is a very flexible, adaptable, agile model, uh, if you will, in working with organizations to bring the right talent, the right expertise, you know, quickly uh, into an organization and help um, you know, either build those capabilities or close those, close those knowledge gaps. But asking questions, that's at the heart of things, right? You have to know yeah, what the is. right questions are. So the, in the developmental coaching, there's really three things that, you know, really uh, drive it, drive the, the approach. And one is leading the dialogue with questions, right? The second is 
coaching to strengths. And then third is coaching up, down, and across the organization, meaning on the, the last point, it's not just a boss subordinate dynamic, right? Uh, but the leading with the leading the dialogue with questions is really, uh, really key. So, so here's a, a suggestion for listeners uh, to, to think about this. Try having a five minute conversation. You can do it at home with your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend or with your kids, or you can then try it in the workplace. But just have a five minute conversation with someone and you're going to give no advice. All you're going to do is ask questions. Okay. You just ask probing questions and so keep just, just no advice. Just try it for five minutes. So what, what's an example of some questions to get this going? Um, so in, so in the workplace, uh, you can do it in a situation of like, okay, how was the, I know you had a, had a work session with the, the team last week. How did it go? Oh, I'm fine. Okay. Well, what, what did you learn? Okay. And okay. So what, what surprised you? You know, so you're just continuing to ask probing questions, right, around it to get to, you know, the sort of the, the point of, you know, and what you want to do is when you get to sort of the point of action. So where are you going to, so what do you think you're going to do? Well, I'm thinking about A, B, and C. Okay. And which one of those? All right. Those all sound like good options. You know, let me know what you decide. Instead of saying, you know, okay, you need to do B. Right. But isn't that just kind of the basic difference between a coach and a consultant? Well, what we generally find is that people have, um, especially the further you get up in an organization, you know, you're used, you're used to making decisions and people coming to you and asking you what to do. Right? And so our counsel is to stop giving advice and use questions to drive the dialogue and let, you know, this is all the principle of people owning the solution. What happens when you do this is the ownership for the solution rests with the individual, the coachee, if you will, not the coach, not the boss. If you say, okay, I want you to go do B. Okay. Right. Versus the, the individual coming to their own conclusion, maybe take, maybe it takes just a little bit more time, but if they own the decision fully, that's what you want. Even if it's a decision that you're not kind of a hundred percent sold on. Absolutely. 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 It, I, I will tell you in my experience, first of all, most decisions are not life or death, <laughs> right? Uh, number one. Okay. So you've got to look at the, you've got to be smart about this, right? But most of the time allowing an individual to get to a decision, which in your eyes might be 80% right is better than them uh, having to implement something that is your decision and you think is 100% right. What if it, in your mind, is 55% right? Okay, you just have to, you have to use your judgment, okay? And so this is not a, you know, you can't apply these rules blindly or these principles blindly. You've got to, you know, and you can express, you know, you can express that reservation. I'm not sure. I'm not convinced. How can we figure out what, you know, how can get me comfortable with this, okay? You know, like I, I hear where you're coming from, but I'm not positive, right? I'm not sure that this is right. And here's why. So you express your reservation. It doesn't mean you can't be honest and, and, and transparent. But in the end, what you're going to do is get the individual to work through it and, and make the case for what they want to make and make the decision and, and own the decision. So. And, and truly empower the people working for you, not kind of be second guessing them or micromanaging them. Exactly. Exactly. 
you know, um, as I was doing this coaching work, Google started a research project themselves, <laughs> uh, and it was called Project Oxygen, and this identified the top 10 behaviors of the company's highest performing managers. Uh, it actually started out as a project to prove that we don't need managers, and they actually came back as actually we do, and we figured out uh, the characteristics of ones that are that people view as great. The number one trait was they're a good coach. So, you know, that was, uh, and again, I'm not saying that you can sort of look at it, that, but that was, it was, in my experience, it reinforced what I was experiencing when we take people through this work and teach them, the, give them the sort of coaching skills and, and then and work, work with them, implementing them. Uh, about 25% of the people come back and say, this has fundamentally changed how I'm leading and managing. That, that's a big number in, in this business. Now, um, earlier you mentioned the importance of kind of building on strengths and kind of shoring up weaknesses. Can you talk about um, where you see the kind of the pros and cons of that? Because some people yeah. feel like it's important to kind of first shore up the weaknesses and uh, not, and maybe not necessarily build on the strengths, but just more, it's more important to kind of focus on the weaknesses rather than the strengths. But it sounds like you're more inclined to focus on the strengths and uh, just shore up the weaknesses. Yeah. So the, the um, we do, I do believe in the emphasis on coaching to strengths um, and my, the, the principle that drives our work in this area is the idea of build on strength and buttress weakness. Okay. Build on strength and buttress weakness. So what that means is uh, so the question I like to ask, uh, organizations, you know, and so just think about this for you, for your business and uh, for your listeners, you know, are the goals of the business best served by fully developing the strengths of team members or will fixing their weaknesses get you to the great performance you're looking for, right? Okay. Now the truth is it's never an either or, but just think, just think about that for a second, right? And our perspective is 80% of your focus ought to be building and leveraging the strengths and 20% on, on weaknesses. And the, the issue here is, and it took me a while to really grasp the, how, how tough a challenge this is, is we've been taught to do the opposite all of our lives, okay? Uh, so let me illustrate. Your child, or maybe you as a child, or a child comes home with a report card. Four A's and one C. What's the question? What happened there with that C? Yeah, exactly. We went right to the, week, right to the, to the, the problem area. Okay, um, so let me bring this closer to home in the workplace. Think about the development plans uh, for, again for your listeners as you're for either yourself or the team you manage. And when you think about these plans, what are they focused on? Are they focused on people's strengths and really maximizing those strengths and building those strengths? Or are they focused on weaknesses, problem areas? Just be honest with yourself. Just it, that's the and and I'll tell you the answer. I'm, 90% of the time, people will come back and say, you know what? Yeah, it's way too much focused on the weaknesses. Now, do you think that that's because the manager feels like they can make a, more of a difference there and then the strengths are, are kind of more incremental and maybe more subtle, uh, even though the outcome might be better by keep doubling down on the strengths, but they can see like some sense of improvement by improving a weakness yeah, I think there's this is a great question. I think there's two things going on here. One is what I referenced, which is this is a very deep seated behavior that we have grown up with as children, as kids, as parents, right? You know, and and it's just carried in, into the work 
into the workplace. It's a very, um, it's, a, it's a mindset and it's what we're used to. So it's what we're used to doing, right? Um, and so the, this idea of development plans almost are inevitably are associated with what are either weaknesses that you need to fix or things that you need to improve, you know, um, versus focusing. At, and so, and the other issue is it's easier to figure out what are the pain points, right? Pain points are just something we pay more attention to, right? Versus saying, what are all the things that are really help you, help you be effective, make you be effective. And by the way, could even help you more, right? If you really double down on, so you may have some areas that are sort of inherent strengths, but you're not really leveraging them. And you may not have developed them as well as much, right? So it's this, it's, it's double-edged. We're not saying it's either or, but I can tell you in my experience in working with executives in the last 10 years, almost always, this is a mind shift that people come back and say, you know what, this has really changed the way I'm looking at my team. It's the way I've changed. I'm looking at myself and my organization. Now, is there kind of research that backs that up? Because my instinct is the same as yours in this regard, that I think that by just kind of focusing on that strength and making it a true superpower, you're differentiating yourselves even more from people. You're getting deep knowledge about a certain kind of skill or a strength of yours. You are um, kind of leaning into the thing you're probably like more or more interested in and more passionate about rather than kind of focusing on things that you're not too thrilled about because you're not great at it and it just seems more more work and not as fun as the strength part. And it could be frustrating and it could be energy depleting. So my instincts are that focusing on your strengths would have better outcomes. Is there research that that kind of uh, yeah. says that? So the, the, the folks that have done sort of been on the leading edge and they're all about the strengths, right? So you won't, you won't hear them so much say the, what I was voicing the build on strength, buttress weakness, but the case for strengths is if you look up the strength finder 2.0 uh, it's uh, and there's uh, you know, there's a, a number of resources it's the Gallup organization is the one that's uh, drives that. So if you, uh, if you go there, you'll, you'll find probably the best um, body of work on, you know, so if you will, the case for strengths, and then you can, you know, you can find plenty of other people there. So there's an HBR, you know, article about, you know, overdoing the strengths and right. So it's like any of these sort of things that are quite often, they'll take on a sort of life of their own. And um, you know, so uh, you know, I've, you know, I, I personally believe, you, you know, you should have one sort of weakness area, okay, that you're working on, right? Pick one, not three, not five, one. It's really going to make a difference. And there is, there is very strong evidence also in time as, as executives sort of go along in their careers that there may be an area that has been a weakness that they've been able to get away with. And then over time, it catches up with them, right? So you can't ignore the weakness side, right? So again, Thus, our view, build on strength, buttress weakness. So now in the years you've been doing this, can you share a story where you've had maybe the most impact or the most memorable in regards of working with somebody that may have been at struggling or maybe at a plateau and you helped them get to a new level? Well, I've, I've been blessed to work with some just great people over the years. Uh, there's, a, a, I guess, a couple sort of stories that come to mind. So one was we were running a session with executives who had been through our one day session and we were doing a follow up with them a month later and, and asking them to share their experiences and 
what they've been dealing with. And one was a director dealing with a real stressful cross-functional challenge. And the CEO had appeared in her office and had a coaching conversation with her, right? Uh, and, and in the end, what he asked her was, okay, what can I do to be helpful in supporting you in this? You know, is there anything more that I can do? What, what can I do to help you? By the way, which is a great question from a CEO. Right? How can I be helpful? Right. And uh, so she just, she went on and on about, it was just so great. It was so energizing. I appreciated it. It was really helpful. I had one question that I, I that I had that he helped me clarify and think through and, you know, boom. And so then I, she was going on and on. I said, I said, Deborah, how long did this conversation take? She said, it was about two or three minutes. Okay. The biggest pushback we get in the use of questions is, oh, it takes too long. Okay. And that is just not true. <laughs> okay. So that's why I like that story. Right. It's just, and, and it's also just the, the, it shows the impact, right? It just, so here's somebody who was just, just over the top about it, you know, and uh, it's such a simple thing. Now, why do you think that they have kind of maybe an initial uh, hesitancy regarding the time part? What, what, what makes them think it takes longer? Yeah. So the truth is it takes, it's this, this is a new skill if you're not used to doing it. So it takes a little bit of time and effort to develop it. All right. Um, so it requires some effort, but the truth is it doesn't to ask somebody three, four, five sort of really insightful questions, right? To help them think through something doesn't take any longer than for someone to come in, explain a situation to you, and then you say, okay, here's what you need to do. It doesn't, it just doesn't. It's just not true. Right. I, I know, but why do you think they think it takes longer? It's because they're not used to doing, it's a different behavior. And it's and for and for some people it's it's a change it's a change it's it's a different it's a different way of of, of doing it. One of one of my favorite uh, this is this is on this is on my LinkedIn. There, this uh, I've got an article um, talking about um, the uh, Kentucky Duke basketball game um, over twenty years ago when um, Duke was down by uh, one point. It's Christian Leitner, Grant Hill, you know, basket that took them to the to the to the final four. And there's, I listened to a podcast with Christian and coach K and Grant talking about what happened during that timeout. Okay. And it was not coach. It was not coach come over and coach K says, okay, here's the play. Go run it. He turns to Grant Hill and he says, Grant, if we set up Christian up just up top of the foul key, can you hit him with his pass? Can you one time it to him? Christian says, yeah, I can do it. And he turns to Christian He says, Christian, Grant hits you with his pass. Does that set you up for a good look at the basket? He said, yes, it does. Absolutely. He said, if he throws it, I'll catch it and I'll shoot it. Okay. And the, the, their, their reflection on the conversation was, you, you were building confidence in us. You were getting us to tell you we could do this. Right? And, you know, this is a one-minute timeout. <laughs> I find, find me a more pressure-packed situation. And here's the use of questions to get ownership in the plan. Right. Pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. And it shows you that what amazing things can happen in a minute. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So anyway, so that's one of my, you know, um, and again, I, I think there's, this is not easy to do. 
Um, if it was, you know, more people would be doing it. All right. But it, it's a new behavior and it is something that uh, I just encourage uh, those of you listening to this to explore and to, to you know, to think about. It's, uh, it's got great, um, it has really, my experience is that this is really, it's changed lives, it's changed businesses, it's changed organizations. It has a very powerful impact. Now, any advice to that leader who would like to maybe experiment with this? Is there a way to take some baby steps in using this developmental coaching practice? Yeah. Um, so, you know, just start trying this, right? You know, start using the questions. You know, you don't have to make a big announcement. You don't have to think we're going to start coaching. Just start start asking questions and just try stop giving advice, right? And just start to see how that feels and start to think about how it impacts your, uh, impacts your team. Right. And impacts those around you is, is one. Um, you know, the other thing you can do is uh, just uh, I, I like this practice. You know, in the military, they have a thing called an, uh, an after action review, AAR, right, which is after any sort of major action. They sit down and they say, they ask three questions. Right. OK, what was our goal? One, two. What did we do well that helped us achieve it? And three, what could what do we learn that we can do better? And, you know, you can have, if you've got your team together and you just had a call with a client or you've had an internal meeting, right, or some, some whatever, you know, maybe, maybe sort of end of a project or even stop at, just at the end of the meeting before everybody runs out of the room and just say, okay, let's just, let's have two minutes. Let's have a quick debrief. How do we feel about what we did here today? Okay. All right. What did we do well? What worked? Quick. What can we do better? Pick one thing. Give me one thing we could have done better or should have done better. Okay, we're off. Simple, simple practices. Now, what is the pain that your prospective client is having right now where uh, your team could help them maybe um, get to a new level? Well, one would be if you just look at the the fundamental challenge most organizations are facing is they need to accelerate the development of their talent. Okay. That most, most organizations will say we have gaps where we need more talent. We've got to build the skills and capabilities in our organization. And what I want to quite often, the response to that is we need to go hire people. And, and I've done my share of recruiting and hiring people. Right. And I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. But what I'm going to tell you is that I, I believe the answer to that challenge is right in front of you, which is, is the people are there and you just need to really start working with them. And if you start deploying these developmental, these developmental coaching and really start coaching them aggressively and intentionally, um, you're going to make a big dent in your talent gap challenge. So that's, that's number one um, is what I would say is, uh, you know, and, and, I, and again, I think also, Again, the world is changing very, very quickly, right? So just being able to sort of access experienced uh, people that have faced the challenges you face to help you think, think through them is um, something we, we believe in strongly. So if there's someone out there that wants to get a hold of you or somebody on your team, what's the website? Uh, it's gxg.co, C-O, gxg.co. Good stuff. Well, Peter, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Um, you're doing important work, and we appreciate you. Thank you. We're honored to do it. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio. 